0: Kneel Before Blog presents Kneel Before Pod.
1: Hello and welcome to the Kneel Before Pod interview segment. I'm your host Craig and I recently had the pleasure of chatting to Camille Mitchell, Sheriff Nancy Adams in Smallville, Maria Bertinelli in Arrow, star of Martha's Vineyard Mysteries, Ships in the Night, and Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries, Till Death Do Us Part, plus many, many other things. We talk growing up around actors being killed on Smallville and enhancing culinary skills during the pandemic. Also, her animals couldn't resist making an appearance to join the conversation. Sit back, relax and enjoy. I'm delighted to be joined on Neil Before Pod with Camille Mitchell. How are you doing?
0: Excellent, Craig. Thank you. Lovely to be on your show.
1: It's lovely to have you. Absolute pleasure to speak to you. To start with, we'll go right back to the beginning. How did you get your start in acting? What did you do to get into the business and how did you progress
0: I come from a a family of actors. Both my parents were actors. My father was Cameron Mitchell, and my mother was Johanna Melvine who worked with Max Reinhardt before the war in Vienna and got out just in time. And uh, there was always an expectation of us. I had three older brothers, an expectation that we would always perform. It was something we loved to do anyway, but if there was a family gathering of any description there was always a song to be sung or some kind of entertainment to be provided by the kids it actually got to be like you know a job not a real job it was done out of love we loved it my oldest brother fred was the mc my next oldest brother chip and i would take on different caricatures of people people in the family we'd imitate people and I think it was always an expectation that that's just what we would do eventually. But my father, God bless him, had an interesting life, and an interesting career. He was married three times. And I thought perhaps acting wasn't the most effective way to live one's life. So I started in pre-med at university and was amazed I even got in. But definitely I was an arts person. I was not a chemistry, biology kind of person. So I was told... To take one, what they call the Mickey Mouse course, take one course that doesn't require a lot of work, we recommend you take an acting course. I took an acting course in my first year, and I really fell in love. It just covered the spectrum for me of, of what I was interested in. I was interested in human psychology and motivation. I loved literature. It was one of my great joys. And I just fell in love with it. And after that, I just kept going with it. I was still at university when I got my equity card. And then I went to Central School in London, which was fantastic for my training, Central School of Speech and Drama. And when I came back, friends of mine from university had moved on and were running theatres and hired me. And it was great. I did theatre, which was my passion. For the first 20 years of my career, I worked from small roles to leading roles at the Shaw Festival and Stratford Festival, and it was really my joy. I just loved it. And when my son was born, I thought maybe it was time to look for a job that wasn't six days a week with one day off to do laundry and get your shopping done, maybe have a few human relationships. So I thought, okay, and that was when I tried to move into television and film And I started to really enjoy that as well. Now my son is in film production. My niece and nephew are actors. My brother's an actor. So when we get together, it's great fun. Sometimes we'll just get together for fun to read plays together. Conversation always comes around at some point to the business. My father and my mother were also extremely helpful. The family table for the last... Three generations in my family has really been about, how do you play that scene? Can you have a look at my tape? It's always been conversations about acting primarily, which is a great joy. Everything from enthusiastic moments to really bitter moments about the business. (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, I think the world is better off that I did not become a doctor.
1: (laughs) I'm sure you would have excelled at that as well.
0: They'll fix you. I'm
1: not so sure. Maybe you can play one and get the best of both worlds.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Wouldn't that be good? That would be good. Yeah.
1: There's no chance of killing someone, but you still get to say all this stuff.
0: Yeah, you won't leave your scalpel in their appendix. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it was very much a lifelong thing. That sounds really cool. Is there any particular favourite sort of acting you like to do, or is it just, I feel like doing this right now?
0: I still love theater. I really do. A huge challenge for me was playing Blanche DuBois a number of years ago. I didn't think I'd be able to do it. I'm sure we all have moments in our careers where you know it's either do or die. You know you either go for the gusto or forget it and you've got no choice. And that was one of those parts that I really just committed my whole existence to. And the payoff was extraordinary in terms of my enjoyment of playing it. And I was very grateful for the reaction from the audiences and the critics. I do love comedy. I just love comedy. Perhaps I'm doing more of that in television and film these days. I love playing characters. I don't know if there's a particular area that I'm fondest of. I do know if I do too much drama for too long, it really gets into my bones. And I, I, I need a break. I, I know that much. Whereas that never happens if I'm doing a comedy. It's always fun. It's always a joy. And I've taken a few steps into directing. I've directed a few shorts that have sort of gone on their own little journeys around to festivals around the world that has been really fun. And that's something I'd like to pursue a bit more. But being raised in my generation, women were not encouraged to direct. It wasn't something that you actually was on your checklist of things Mm -hmm. to do in the profession. Acting was, modeling was, if you were beautiful enough, which I wasn't. Being a stewardess was. So it's wrapping my head around that idea. I find that's an area where I need to get more confident There's so much information, there's so much wonderful work being done and so much wonderful television and film these days. But there's also a lot of bad stuff and I'd rather not add to the bad stuff (laughs) could help it. So I'm working on that, you know, trying to get the confidence that what I might have to say from a directorial point of view has value. So,
1: yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you wouldn't add to the bad stuff. I'm sure that wouldn't happen.
0: (laughs) With all the sets
1: you've been on, have you done a lot of shadowing of the directors that have been there, or is it just kind of observing what they do, or is it a bit of both?
0: It's really hard to shadow in television because they're on such a tight time. Film is a little different. I did take a few years off recently, actually, to go to get my master's at Loyola Marymount Film School in Los Angeles, which was really exciting, really hard work, <laughs> but really exciting. And I really had to get my technology skills up. So I was editing my own films, but that was very interesting. And I wish there was more time to shadow directors, but certainly one thing that sticks out is just the power of a director's point of view that kind of takes over a set that's very exciting and that I think is a skill that one needs to really work on where you've got everyone working together towards something as opposed to people splintering off and complaining about the hours or whatever. It's really a leadership position as much as an artistic position that I find really interesting in terms of kind of helming and moving things forward and getting everybody on board to work together, which is one of the things that's really cool. I have to say about the Hallmark productions that are being done here. Is there are crews here that have worked together on a lot of shows so they know each other really well they 're treated well, the hours aren 't insane? Boy, does that make a difference when you walk on a set as an actor you 're not walking into a wall of resentment <laughs> 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 I'm Kind of trying to apologize for every horrible thing they 've just been through for the last six months. <laughs> And yeah, that can be very interesting.
1: As a director, what your style and what sort of thing do you like to direct? Do you prefer to do these high drama moments? Do you prefer to do maybe a bit of action, some stunt stuff? Or is it, again, just everything?
0: You know, it's funny. The two films that I wrote and directed, one actually won the Super Shorts Award in London a few years back, which was really exciting for short drama. I found myself writing dramas, which surprised me a bit because I tend to think I'm a bit lighter-hearted than that. But those were the inspirations for my story. And it did surprise me. Don't you find too, as you get older, you kind of surprise yourself because there tends to be paths you end up taking that you didn't think you'd ever take when you were younger. And they're kind of based on who you are. And you sort of slowly discover, oh, I thought I was more like that, but I'm over here. So... (laughs) Yes, I'm leaning in that direction. I think comedy is really hard too. I can't remember who said it. Dying is easy, comedy is hard. <laughs> <laughs> There's some actors, some <laughs> wonderful old actors who said it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that it's hard to be funny or hard to write funny. Whereas drama, everyone can do drama because everybody knows drama and everyone experiences it, I guess. Well, not everybody can write it or at least write it well. I guess it's just you're more aware of it and more tuned into it I would suppose
0: yeah I think that's true and maybe especially now the world is an interesting place these days maybe it's leaning a bit more towards the dramatic how are things in Scotland these days with
1: Covid well we're opened up a bit so we're able to go outside and meet people even have people visit I recently had my first vaccine jag on Saturday. I'm halfway there. I'm starting that process. So it's it's good getting a bit more confidence around, you know, I'm starting to be protected against this. So it's getting better, I think, slowly getting better. And I think it's important that it slowly gets better rather than rushing into everything. How is Canada doing with all of that?
0: Yeah, same. I had my first shot uh, a few weeks ago. My son just got his. Things are starting to open up similar to our indoor dining only just recently opened up, but people are still socially distanced. There are partitions between tables. It's getting much better. We don't make our own vaccines. So we've been dependent on the United States. And thank goodness the United States has been sending a lot up here to help. And it's It's making such a difference. It's amazing the hope that comes when you get that first shot, isn't it, Craig?
1: Yeah, it's like, here we go. Bit of progress. Finally can start getting my life back, all that kind of stuff. I remember thinking that as I was going in. It's like, here we go. It's the start of it. I can go back to normal at my own pace, but I'll go there. Exactly. But seeing your bio that I was sent, that one of your lockdown coping mechanisms has been experimenting with your culinary skills. What's that been like, just building on that?
0: Yes. And me and Amazon and that kitchen department at Amazon are best buds now. I've got a mandolin. I've got my different pasta machines. It's been really fun. It's funny because I do recall as a young person, a very young person, that life used to be this slow. You know, it wasn't under the COVID umbrella, thank goodness. But there was a time I remember as a kid when there weren't even any fax machines. And if their phone rang and you weren't home, you just weren't home. There was no, this constant inability to relax. Maybe we've had too much time with COVID to relax, but it was somewhat reminiscent of my childhood when you'd have these lazy days when your mom would be cooking and you'd be hanging out in the kitchen with her and there'd be no distractions So that's been really fun. And making pasta has been really, really fun. I've gotten my family on board for that. We've had some really fun (laughs) pasta nights and they've been making their own, like we'll make our own dough together. Everyone takes a turn at the wheel, the pasta wheel. It's been very exciting. And just also even having time to watch chefs on Masterclass and enjoy the tirades of Gordon Ramsay and all that (laughs) stuff. It's been been really fun. It's been really fun because cooking is not something I, I had time for before. And it's been actually really exciting. In fact, this is the first year in a long time that we've planted a vegetable garden in the backyard. Nice. And our kale is popping up. It's just very exciting. It feels like it's not only growing new things outdoors, but growing new things in myself that maybe I haven't had a chance to tend to in mm. a while because I was so busy the outside
1: world. Yeah, I definitely echo your sentiment about just having a bit more time because with working from home, I don't have my commuting time at the moment. So it's good. I can just take that time to just relax and, and just sit and, as you say, make yourself a nice meal and do that. Whereas I didn't necessarily do that very often before, but it's, it's something I got into, maybe not to the extent you did, but yeah, managed to almost perfect a few simple recipes that I mm. can use over and over again. That's good. It's good to just, this is... Good food that I've made myself, rather than here's something I'm just eating quickly while I'm on to the next thing. And yeah,
0: exactly. It, it kind of makes you go. Now I understand why cooking has been such a revered occupation for centuries, right? And somehow to make yourself, it does taste better, doesn't it? Mm. When it's homemade, it really does.
1: Cheaper too, I find.
0: <laughs> so much cheaper! Oh my god, saving money on restaurant bills right now isn't it fabulous? I think I'm going to turn into a very stingy person when this is all over.
1: <laughs> but that's not a bad thing necessarily.
0: That's true. Yeah, it's true.
1: Yeah, but that's great. I mean, everybody copes with it in their own way, and I think yeah, if you can occupy your time with something that just because it is therapeutic in a way, just preparing something and taking the time and maybe putting a bit of music on. I don't know what your process is, but that's what I do. I put a bit of music on, just let myself get lost in it for an hour or so, and and then eat it afterwards.
0: Exactly. It's exactly right. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but it feels like the world for so long has been just kind of pushing uphill constantly with demands on even things that we don't really need to be bothered with. But somehow even the internet drags us in all the time. There's Mm. always things to be done, things to do. And I think just the world having this opportunity to just stop I mean, it's tragic and heartbreaking what has happened in the fallout with so many deaths around the world. Mm -hmm. But what's so exciting, too, is that we've got here, Vancouver is such a port, and it's such a place for cruise ships going to Alaska. Well, all that stopped back last year. And the amount of wildlife that has come back is amazing. We've had orcas in the harbor of Vancouver, which hasn't happened in years. We've had these wonderful moments where things are getting revived, where animals that have been really teetering on close to really being worried about are now coming back, and it's really amazing. Mother Nature seems to have done really well by this lack of activity on man's part. Not that I'm suggesting this continue in any way, shape, or form, because it's been horrific but it's amazing here in canada to see the difference even in the first few months the lack of human activity was really noticeable in in the animals and the birds and the the different kinds of marine life that was getting revived sorry about that
1: no it's okay it's great insight into the different things that you think about it's what i want from interviews like this that does sound great obviously the situation isn't ideal but at least some positives can come out of it and yeah, that's well, always good yeah. to hear. Yeah, it's not all been for nothing, I suppose.
0: Yeah, what do they say? It's an ill wind that blows no good.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Anyway, yes, hopefully these COVID days will be behind us
1: soon. Hopefully. But speaking of being really busy, you've done a lot of acting over the years, and I want to focus kind of more on the, the genre side of things because that's what I'm into. That's what the website covers. So the big one for me is Smallville. I don't mind telling you, I was obsessed with Smallville when it was Yay! on through my teenage years. I loved it, just loved it. And you were on for five seasons and you were the replacement sheriff, the no-nonsense sheriff. Your predecessor was a bit of a soft touch, just corrupt, didn't bother with anything. And you were there challenging Clark, asking him what he was doing at all these crime scenes. So what was it like coming into a big show like that (laughs) and being this standoffish, authoritative presence that was challenging the status quo a bit?
0: It was so much fun. It was so much fun. And it was the perfect job for an acting mom when my son was seven years old, right? Because he could come on set. He could see his mom get all gacked up with the guns and and the sheriff's badge. It was great. It's funny, too, because I had just moved back from Los Angeles just before I started the show. I didn't know I would be working on Smallville. I was working on something else at the time. And we bumped into Annette O'Toole at the airport, and my son and I had just started watching Smallville, and it was our favorite show. And she was so lovely. I had no idea that a year later we'd be working together. The cast was great, so welcoming. Even though they'd done a couple of seasons already, they were so welcoming. And Greg Beeman, the executive producer, had me in to read for another role that I didn't get. But he told me later he remembered my audition, and he was really pushing for me to get sheriff's Adams, which was so lovely to hear. Because, you know, you sometimes after an audition, you work so hard on it. You hear nothing and you just think, well, that was obviously abject failure, only to discover that, no, actually, somebody remembered that performance. And he brought me in for Nancy Adams. It was so much fun. And of course, my father has, over the years, had played, you know, Cowboys and Bad Guys and tough cops. I was occasionally channeling him in performance. Tom Welling was absolutely lovely, as was Kristen. I remember one day we were over at the Kent farm filming just outside of Vancouver here at this beautiful farm they had found. And I look over, we were on a break and I look over and I see in the cornfields that were perfectly planted for Smallville, I see my son throwing a football around with Tom Welling, which was just a young boy's dream, right? To be throwing a Super Bowl around with Superman. I mean, throwing throwing a football around with Superman. There were moments like that. John Schneider, when I first started, it was summer too, and they were so wonderful about letting my son come on set. He would take my son on tours around to show him the Fortress of Solitude. And it was like a big family. It was just a lovely, lovely big family. And I remember the day they apparently decided they had to kill me, (laughs) (laughs) they had always said when you're in los angeles come visit us at warner brothers right which is where they do all the post-production the editing and so on and i was down and uh, of course my son was dying to see everything so i called greg and and he was so lovely he said definitely come on down we'll give you a tour around you can see some of the scenes of yours that we're actually editing right now we did all that, which was great. And then Greg said, when you're done, come visit me in my office. So we walked into Greg's office and he was having a conference call with all the writers who were on a huge conference. They were in Vancouver. So they were on a huge screen in a conference room. And I walked in and it looked like a frozen screen. There were people, but it was like on pause or it was on stop or something. And then I saw this hand wave from one of the the people in the meeting on the screen, it was Mirzi, who was our awesome AD, who's now a fabulous director. And she, she went, hi, Camille. And I went, hey, oh, you guys are alive. I, had Anyway, apparently Greg told me later, the minute I walked into his office was the very minute they went, yeah, we're going to have to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the fact that I walked right into that meeting, not realizing it, was why they all froze. It was like, oh my God. Anyway, they said it had to be a ruse because they had already predicted that someone was going to die and they didn't want the audience to think it was John Schneider. And they thought, okay, let it be Sheriff Adams. And then John went the next episode. And as you recall, there was just, everyone was getting 86 And then the day, I'd never been killed off a show before. And I guess there is a history of actors misbehaving when they're about to be killed off. I did not know this, but apparently some actors will show up for the scenes they're not being killed on. And then when they finally get to the scene they're being killed, they don't show up. I've heard this to be true. I wonder, but I've heard it to be true. So with my scene, that was the first scene we shot. And the director, lovely man, Peter Ellis, the minute I got on the set, immediately rushed over to me, put his arm around my shoulder as if I was going to be hyperventilating anytime soon, and said, Are you all right? Are you okay? Because it's best if everyone just get along and do what they have to do. I said, No, no, I'm fine. It's okay. You can kill me. I'm, I'm, (laughs) my feet's all right. I'm ready for this. And then they had the blood pumping, and the pump didn't work, and it was just like, cut, cut, cut. What's with the blood? You know, there's not enough blood. Get more blood. Anyway, the irony is that Sarah Lind, who played my deputy, as you know, who spoiler alert, who kills me, she and I just worked together. And I hadn't seen her. We just worked together on this Hallmark film, Ships in the Night, Martha Vineyard Mystery, and she just arrested me in the show. (laughs) can't get away from this. Can't get away from this with Sarah.
1: She's always making you suffer.
0: She's always making me suffer. It's not fair. (laughs) That's correct. And we were laughing about that. Last time I'd seen her, she killed me. So it was was kind of, it was (laughs) fun.
1: You got to do a lot in your time on that show. It must have been great getting so much variety in terms of content. I mean, giving Lex Luthor a hard time must be a good boost (laughs) as an actor because the character is so famous and Michael Rosenbaum, I'm guessing, just as funny on set as he seems to be on his podcast and various binders instincts.
0: Hysterical, hysterical, wicked sense of humor and just full of joy. Always. I really had a director's eye too, was always looking for details and ways to improve the scene. And he was great to work with. They all were. It was just a lovely group and it really felt like a family. I think too, the fact that the show was taped up here, So the actors were protected. Tom and Kristen, they were protected from this mania that was happening in the rest of the world because Smallville became so popular. There were no billboards here with Smallville all over it. I went back to LA a few times during this and I was always surprised that, you know, you drive down Sunset Boulevard, the huge billboards promoting Smallville. So it was really a lovely family. There was just this sense of a group working together to make this lovely story come true I have very fond memories of doing that show they were so amazing too Craig because I was at the time as I mentioned my son was young and they were fantastic with my scheduling whenever they could they made sure I was home to pick him up from school Mm. they were fantastic
1: yeah so a lot of good memories a lot of good vibes from your time on that show that's great to hear
0: and I'm so glad you enjoyed it. it makes me very happy to hear people who enjoyed that show
1: Yeah, I mean, it's over 200 episodes, so I don't rewatch it as often as I'd like to. But I do go back to it every now and again because it is just so enjoyable and it's a big part of my life as well. I watched it for 10 years without fail. I always made sure I was up to date with it.
0: Did you get your parents watching it by any chance?
1: No, not really. I mean, my dad would dip in now and again. He would mostly dip in for the event episodes, though. Is this going to be one where he gets closer to being Superman? Here's the Fortress of Solitude introduction episode. That kind of stuff, because he's a big fan of Superman, but he doesn't really watch a lot of TV. So it was just, here's an episode where this happens or where they introduce this DC comic character that you can have a look at, those kinds of things. So, yeah, I never really got my family into it, but, yeah, I've got a bunch of friends that were into it and we all enjoyed it. The funny story is I had a party for the finale. (laughs) a bunch of people around and we all sat and watched the finale and had snacks and everything. It was good fun.
0: Well, it's coming up to its 20th anniversary since the first. Yeah, insane. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Just amazing.
1: Yeah. Recently, the 10-year anniversary of the finale airing. It's not, well, that wasn't that long ago.
0: That's right. I mean, the fact that it lasted for 10 years is fantastic, isn't it?
1: Yeah. As a prequel to a Superman story that takes 10 years. It's,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. it's kind of insane when you think about it. <laughs> Another comic book-influenced show that you were on that I really enjoyed was Legion. And it's fair to say that's a very unconventional show. It could be hard to follow at times. Was that evident when you were working on it? Was it just as insane to work behind the scenes as it was to watch?
0: When I auditioned for it, I had no idea what the script was for the rest of the episode. Until I agreed to do it, I was not allowed to read the script. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to beg to read the rest of my scenes. On set, it was really cool because you could see Noah Hawley working with the other creators and their minds were constantly going. They were so excited. There was such a creative energy happening on that set. And they were constantly just trying to perfect things. But understandably, they didn't necessarily share the rest of it with cast members, aside from, I'm sure, the leads. But it it was exciting. I mean, I, I had no idea what I was walking, even the costume thing. Sometimes you have an idea of what... You know, I had no idea I'd be in this weird 60s suit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I loved watching it because it was so abstract. It was just, what am I getting this week? It was that kind of show. Oh my God.
0: Yes, exactly. It was really brilliant. I think those guys are absolutely brilliant. I really do. And I'm so happy that that they're becoming such important players in television and film. They so deserve it. I thought Fargo was brilliant. Mm. And also it was fun too because... They found some old derelict factory that was their studio here in Vancouver. So you kind of drove way the hell and gone. Usually a lot of the places get reused by different productions around town here. And this one, no one had ever set foot in before. It was this interesting, you know, half of it was falling apart. And that was their studio. That was where they had their offices. And it was perfect. It was just perfect.
1: And another show you were in, I loved, iZombie. You were in two episodes oh. of that. What a great show. <laughs>
0: That was
1: so fun. You talk a bit about working on that, what it was like being there. I interviewed Malcolm Goodwin years ago when it was in its oh, first wow. season. So he was great to talk to. And obviously, it ran a long time, or yes. a relatively long time.
0: Yes, it did. It did. And again, the cast was lovely, just lovely. Rose was fabulous. It was a joy. It was really a joy. It's interesting, too, how I think when people are in shows they love doing, they enjoy doing it's a vibe that you walk right into. And when people are having issues or not that happy, it's also a vibe you walk into, mm. especially in, in a guest star role. And this one was another one of those very happy sets. Because the hours get long, you know, and these crews have been working together. You know, sometimes they work, as you know, 16, 18-hour days. And they get tired. Again, this, like Legion, like other shows I've been very grateful to work on. It's a happy set. You walk in and people are having fun. It allows for more creativity too. When people are a little easier and lighter and less driven by time, you get better stuff, I think. You just do, you get better work out of the actors. You just get more jamming going on because you don't really have a lot of time to rehearse. You know, you literally walk on a set, you're rehearsing, maybe you get one or two rehearsals with the cast members and then they want to rehearse for camera. You want to make sure they get all the camera work right, the lighting right. So you really don't have a lot of time to gel with you know, the way in theater you've got weeks and weeks to rehearse with the same group. So in television, it makes a big difference if it's an open and engaging group of people that want to make it good, that want to make it fun and directors too. They can really make a difference on a set because if you've got a director who's freaking out and stressed and it's really hard to feel that you're doing your best work, but if you've got a director who's happy to be there and has been treated well, boy, it makes a difference. It's like any job, isn't it? It really is. And I think with anything to do with your imagination or Creativity, it's a really vital aspect of being allowed to spread, being allowed to voice ideas and really jam with people. It's lovely.
1: Yeah, I loved watching *Zombie*, especially to see Rose McIver's different acting, because she had to yes. play almost a different character every week, but still the same character, and it was adding these traits to her character, and I thought she was always excellent at it. And it was always entertaining to see her do her thing.
0: Really? She's so talented. She is such a talented actress and her accent was impeccable. You know, it was always funny to get offset and hear her Australian accent. Yeah, really talented.
1: Yeah, she was great. And the show was great. I'm glad to hear you had a good experience on that as well. Another show you were on, I loved, Arrow, but you were on kind of in the death knell. You were on the second to last episode <laughs> and and it wasn't really an Arrow episode as well. It was a backdoor pilot. So
0: yes. Yes, it was. Catherine was fabulous. And all the girls were just lovely. And the director was wonderful. And it was another thing that I I wasn't allowed to read the script until I said, yes, I would do it. So I had really no idea (laughs) (laughs) how many scenes I was in. But that was fun. I was hoping it was going to take off a little bit. But unfortunately, I think they've moved on now. that being a pilot
1: seems to be a cw thing they'll do a backdoor pilot and then just not pick it up (laughs) I haven't really seen any of them get picked up
0: yeah i guess they're trying things i was hoping it would continue so that i could continue in that role and it was filmed out in some magnificent mansion way out on some huge estate it was it was really fun
1: so were you really separate from the rest of the season production then the final season production was it just that group
0: you were working with Exactly. And at the time, they kept it very hush-hush that it it was even being considered a backdoor pilot. It was only a day or two before I started filming that they let me know that this was the plan. I guess they're so worried now that information is going to leak out on the internet and spoilers and all the rest of it. Yeah, it's too bad, because I thought it would have been an interesting show. Don't
1: you? Yeah, I do. The future angle and the two sides to Mia as well, her... Two personalities at war with each other. It had a good setup, and it's a shame that it won't be continued. At least in that way, there's always a chance they'll show up in another show at some point because yeah. they they exist. But that show won't exist, and it's a shame. I would have watched it. I, would, I mean, I watched all of those shows, so I would have naturally yeah, that watched was, that
0: one. You love all those shows. Do you have a favorite? Character
1: from all of these? For me, Arrow was my favourite of the shows. It was consistently my favourite of the shows until it finished. At the moment, I'm really into Superman and Lois. I think they're doing great things there. Oh, good. Legends of Tomorrow is just endlessly watchable. It's just so entertaining every time I watch it. Those are the big ones for me at the moment. I do think The Flash has lost its best days, unfortunately,
0: but. Uh too bad yeah i'm still
1: entertained by the cast and there's the odd episode that reminds me of why i watch it i think it's the same with any show that runs for long enough you you sometimes feel like you're running on fumes when you're watching it and then they'll do an episode (laughs) where you're like "Ah, this is why i watch it Now i'm regenerated for a little while (laughs) but i wanted to ask about being in christmas movies as well because i imagine you don't film them at christmas so you have to get in the christmas spirit (laughs) a weird time of year (laughs) yes
0: yes it's very interesting to be wearing like Thick parkas in August. I actually have a little Christmas meeting wardrobe now. So if I'm meeting to discuss possibly working on a hallmark, I have all my reds, you know, my red sweaters, my parkas, my fake little fur trim things. What amazed me was when, oh, was it last year they came out with Christmas in summer? I don't know if they do that in Scotland yet. They're doing it over here. Not so far. Airing.
1: Yeah.
0: They're airing these uh, Christmas episodes in the summer. I think during COVID, people just needed it so bad, right? I remember hearing about people putting up Christmas trees for comfort in June. They just needed to know that there were still things they could love and enjoy. (laughs) And so, yeah, it is really interesting to be wearing those things. And the fake snow, you know, the outdoor fake snow and (laughs) trying not to get too suntanned, right, before (laughs) the show. You don't want it to look like it's summertime. Although it could be a ski tan, I guess.
1: Sweating in the heat when it's supposed to be cold and stuff like that.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But I have to say it's probably better than filming in the winter outdoors. It's definitely better. Just
1: a bit of a confusing mindset to get yourself in, I guess, at that time of year.
0: Exactly. But boy, are they popular. It's just fantastic. I think, too, there aren't a lot of shows on right now that a multi-generational family can watch together without somebody leaving the room with flushed cheeks and getting very embarrassed, right? I think that was the joy of Smallville, too, was that a multi-generational family could watch that and there wouldn't be any awkward moments. And I think it's interesting how people like to somehow know what to expect from a product. You know, you kind of know the basic characters in Mm. Walmart, you know basically that no one's going to die thank goodness hopefully and people will become better people for what they've gone through at the end it'll have an uplifting ending it's interesting how we need that I have to say too Craig they're a fabulous production company to work for they take very good care of everybody on the set the crew rarely will you work over 12 hour days no one's burnt out people are happy to be there they're very well appreciated. And boy, that makes a difference.
1: Yeah. The happier you are working, the better the end product will be for sure.
0: And a lot of times the same crews together, you know, the same camera people, the same editing people. So they all know each other really well. They know how to work together. It really makes everything much easier, much smoother.
1: And the things you're in now that are coming out shortly, they won't be quite as cheery as a Christmas movie I would imagine. So the Aurora tea garden mysteries <laughs> till death to his part. I was reading that one of your challenges making that was that you had a dislocated kneecap.
0: Yes, that was a very silly me. You're not supposed to endanger yourself in any way when you're filming. You're not supposed to ski. You're not supposed to snowboard. You're not supposed to do anything that might physically impair your ability. I was at home doing a workout. I've had knee issues before. and Unfortunately, I just blew it out. And I was halfway through filming. And I couldn't walk without crutches. I couldn't put any weight on it. And of course, there's nothing in the script to suggest there's any impairment with this woman. We don't want to suddenly introduce, you know, I play the mother of the groom, Nick's mom, and I've just come in for the wedding and I'm supposed to proudly be walking down the aisle, you know, and they solved it for me brilliantly. The director, Martin Wood, and the producer, Jim Head, were fabulous. I felt terrible, but they solved it. They put me on a dolly and shot me from the shoulders up for all those scenes. So it looks like I'm just walking into the church and just fine, fit as a fiddle with my crutches tucked under the pew.
1: Movie magic.
0: (laughs) Movie magic, movie magic. And now I'm happy to to say my knee is fine after months of physio, but that was a first for me on a film set. I've never done that before. (laughs) A bit embarrassing, I was a bit embarrassed.
1: (laughs) Was that a COVID filmed production as well? Was it filmed under that umbrella?
0: Yes, it was. And here in Vancouver, we were very lucky. All the film productions took everything very seriously. And it took some of the enjoyment out that one would normally have in one's ability to socialize with your castmates or whatever. You had to be six feet apart. You kept your mask on at all times, except when the cameras were rolling. And unfortunately, you couldn't really eat together mealtime. You took your meal back to your trailer but knock wood, it seems to be working. Production's been open here in Vancouver since last June, and we only had really a two-month a two lockdown, and it's been going ever since. So the amount of care and thoughtfulness that went into the COVID protocols for the film industry here have been fabulous.
1: All the interviews I've done recently, everyone has said the same, that it's just always been very safe, very efficient, very well put together. and. Imagine being at a wedding or, well, a, a fake wedding for a film. It'd be bigger than any real wedding you could actually attend. So.
0: Exactly. I mean, it was so much fun. It was so much fun for those moments when we were filming to just pretend we were at a big wedding. It was a big, beautiful wedding in a church. It was fabulous and festive and celebratory and. It was wonderful. And to see the bridal party. And I'm a big fan of Mary Lou Henner, who plays Mother of the Bride. And Candace cameron Bureau was fabulous to work with. She's a lovely person. It was a very happy occasion. And aside from the crutches and the, the painkillers, it, <laughs> it was a very pleasurable experience.
1: Well, at least you can say you've worked injured. Now that's something you can say.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And the other thing that's out soon, the Martha's Vineyard mystery, The Ships in the Night. So what's the situation around that? What was prepping for that character like?
0: That was last summer. And it's, oh, it's really gorgeous. It was filmed on Vancouver Island. They found some beautiful homes, mansions on the water with their own dock and boats. And it's all very lovely, beautiful to watch. And had the pleasure of working with Jesse Metcalf from Desperate Housewives. Is a lot of fun, and Sarah Lind, who I mentioned earlier, who killed me on small patent ever since, but of course, all is forgiven. And again, they're very cautious because of things being shared on the internet and social media. They're so cautious these days, understandably, about giving out information until you're signed on to the project. I mean, it was an intriguing character, and I wanted to work with the director, Mark Jean, who was just a joy to work with. I didn't really get a sense of my role until after i signed on and it's a very interesting part i own the art gallery where the first murder was committed and i'm trying to help them solve it but at the same time i'm also a suspect i can't reveal more but it was great fun it's a real emotional part for me which i don't get to do very much these days and it's not usually called for so much actually in the hallmark films but it was lovely and challenging and it was my first trip and the last time i've been out of town we were as i mentioned we were filming on vancouver Island, So we were staying in victoria which is absolutely gorgeous and it was like a getaway it was like a little holiday for me because of course with covid we weren't allowed to travel anywhere but for work purposes you are so that was a lovely getaway as well
1: Sounds great. And it's out soon to check out. Both of them are.
0: The Aurora Tea Garden, where you'll see a beautiful, well, they're planning to get married and things come up that challenge that. That's June 13th on the Hallmark Channel. And then Ships in the Night, Martha Vineyard Murder Mystery is June 20th. But yeah, a nice change to be involved in murder mysteries. Both of them are murder mysteries. Great fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can imagine just seeing how it all plays out, how the clues are CD'd, all that stuff.
0: Exactly. Must
1: be pretty exciting. So what's next for you? What's your next projects that you can talk about? I imagine that you can't talk about everything, but the things you can talk about.
0: I'm going to be doing an indie that I'm really excited about. It's written and directed by Rona Reese. And it's about a woman with MS and her relationship with her daughter. And it takes a bit of a freaky Friday turn when by some kind of alchemy, cinematic alchemy, my daughter played by Emily Tennant ends up in my and I get to relive being a young person in a healthy young body and I'm really looking forward to that we start filming the end of June it's called Call Button and I've just finished a lovely short film with a director Francesco Papetti called The Architect's Dream which is a slightly surreal but interesting story about an architect who I play Marie who sells her soul for her love of her vocation architecture so it would be really fun if the film festival markets start opening up so we can attend these things in person i just saw the architect's dream it's really splendid and i'm looking forward to starting call button which which will be good and then there are a few other projects that i'm in the mix for that i'm just not sure i'll let you know if they come to fruition which would be awesome
1: And for Call Button, do you have to emulate the performance of Emily Tennant?
0: You know, it's interesting because, yeah, her spirit will be in my body. So basically, I will be pretending to be a (laughs) 25-year-old. In the body of a woman with MS, it does have some very comedic moments, just the discovery of not being able to do anything, as dark as that sounds. But it's going to be an interesting project. And I've been doing research on MS. What a debilitating illness. It's really a love letter from the director-writer, Rona Reese, to her mom, a very brave, beautiful woman who's had MS for the last 20 years and whose spirit is still extraordinarily bright and
1: positive no i'll definitely look out for call button i like body switch stuff i oh, do love wow. the actual freaky friday film that Lindsay lohan was in i thought she was great at playing jamie lee curtis yes.
0: so i always exactly. like
1: to see actors trying to emulate the performance of other actors especially younger or older actors depending on what the thing calls for it must be a fun challenge to not copy someone's performance but be recognizable as that person
0: exactly Do try and get a flavor of, of who they are yeah i'm looking for to Emily and I worked together on a Hallmark a few years ago. She's really lovely. It was called A Novel Romance with Amy Ackers and Dylan Bruce. So I'm looking forward to working with her again. It'll be fun.
1: Well, I'll keep an eye out. Thank you. Last question. We always end on a bit of a fun note with us being a nerdy podcast where we do a lot of comic book stuff. Always ask people, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why?
0: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'd love to fly. I would love to fly, Craig. If I could have Superman's power to flight, you just zoom up oh, it'd be so amazing. And why? I've always loved swimming. I've always felt that's as close as I can get to flying is that wonderful weightlessness when you're underwater. And I love scuba diving. I think I'd love to fly because I do love birds. I feel that birds have very cleverly outwitted humans (laughs) by being able to fly. And it would be really, really fun to hang out with some birds on some of these very tall trees. And buildings. I've got an eagle that lives right across the street from me here in Vancouver. He sits on top of this magnificent noble fir tree that's about 150 feet high. It's one of the last trees of its kind in the area. Thank goodness they've decided to protect it from demolition. And I see this beautiful creature just kind of circle the tree and land, and he hunts from here. That would be amazing. So thank you for asking me that question because now I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. How fabulous that was.
1: It always gives great insight into how people think I find to explore what powers they would have, what extra power they would have if they had a choice. So yeah, great answer. Absolutely great answer.
0: Thank you. Oh, that would be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. I that or being able to hold my breath underwater. That would be mm. amazing to just not need to breathe and just be able to go as deep in the ocean as I could. That would be fun. Yeah, it'd
1: be a good one too. Yeah.
0: What about you? What superpower would you like to have?
1: I'd like to have super speed because I keep myself too busy. My brain could operate a lot quicker. I could write quicker. I could get places quicker. I just wouldn't have any issues. So I'd like to be able to go fast.
0: Ooh, that'd be fun too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So like Clark in Smallville when he would run into things and I wouldn't be a superhero though. I'd just, you know, and zip about and get things done quickly.
0: <laughs> good for you. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a good one too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, thanks very much for coming on the podcast and talking about your career and the work you've got coming up. Sounds like you've got some really interesting projects coming up, and the stuff you've got in the pipeline. I Really hope you're successful in in getting a hold of all right. those things and any future projects are, are great for you as well. Sounds like you've been very fortunate to be in a lot of stuff that you've enjoyed being a part of. So I hope that continues for you.
0: Thank you so much, Greg. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. I've really enjoyed this. I didn't realize the time has flown by. So thank you.
1: I'm glad. (laughs) It's been a pleasure talking to you. So, you know, thank you very much. It's been great.
0: Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye.
1: That was my chat with Camille Mitchell. I do wish her all the best with her future projects and with our future culinary projects. If you enjoyed what you heard here, then don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any major podcasting app. Apple users, please leave us a star rating and a comment. If you want to discuss this interview or anything else, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, I hope you'll join us next time on Neil Before Pod.